listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. Well, we've been talking a lot about prayer as we've been making our way through this Lenten season together and kind of doing this devotional series on prayer. And each week we've been kind of double-clicking on one different aspect of prayer and exploring it together. And so we've talked about how prayer is vital, right? Prayer is life-giving. It's like breathing. It's supposed to be this ongoing conversation between us and God. Prayer is vital. Prayer is also simple. We, a lot of times, tend to make it more complicated than it is. We attach a lot of bells and whistles to it when, in reality, prayer is talking to God, whether out loud or just from our hearts. Uh, But simple does not mean easy, right? We clarified that last time. Prayer is also hard. Prayer is really, really hard. It takes a lot of work to to cultivate a disciplined prayer life, and and prayer is hard for so many reasons. You know, we, we, we have this flesh that we walk around in, and we get lazy sometimes. Other times, there are real-life circumstances that come up, and, and time is, is really a crunch, and so prayer is hard. Well, tonight, we're going to talk about how prayer is honest. So to start out, I just want to read to you a few prayers from the Bible. I'm not going to tell you who prayed these, but each one is a different person, so see if you can guess who each of these prayers are from. Let the day perish on which I was born. Anyone? Job. I am weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. David. How about this? The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Did I hear it? Jonah. That's kind of a giveaway. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save? Who prayed that one? Starts with an H. Habakkuk, yeah. Habakkuk, Habakkuk. Not quite sure how that goes. Uh, Next one. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus. This one is actually a repeat. For the arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. So that's Job. I wonder, how would you feel meeting someone in the church foyer who is that honest with you? Well, good morning, Sally. How are you doing? Well, to be honest, Pastor, the arrows of the Almighty have pierced my heart. Every night I flood my bed with tears and feels like I've gone down to the land whose bars have closed on me forever. And how are you doing? Well, the Vikings lost, so there's that. You see what I'm getting at, right? The prayers that we find in Scripture are raw and honest, brutally honest. Like some of them to the point where I'm reading through this and I'm thinking, man, am I allowed to say this in church? Uh, The Psalms are known as the prayer book of the Bible because they kind of teach us how to pray. And they run the whole gamut of the human heart, like every single emotion we have ever felt. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, there's a psalm that can identify 
with that and help you pray through that. John Calvin called the Psalms the anatomy of all the parts of the soul. And I think that's so good and so true. There's joy, grief, anger, loss, frustration, praise, despair, peace, everything in between. There's no sugarcoating or whitewashing. It's like the words went straight from David's heart, through his hand, from his pen, down onto the page without really any filter. I mean, if I had been God, try not to imagine that too much, but if I had been God uh, compiling all the books of the Bible, I would have sent the Psalms back to the editor. Before publishing, I would be like, all right, tone down this strong language, dial back the emotion, take out that line about bathing in the blood of your enemies, right? It's all too real. I, I don't know, maybe it's just the stoic Norwegian in me, but sometimes I feel like I want to grab King David by the shoulders and be like, get it together, man. Like, just, just, just chill, take it easy here. You don't have to express yourself this honestly. But prayer is honest. And honesty is hard, Right? Honesty is tough. It's tough to be honest. It's tough to be vulnerable. I don't know about you, but I can count on one hand the number of people that I would say I can fully, truly be honest with this person. If you asked me how I'm doing, I'd rather just speak in generalities and platitudes than get into the nitty-gritty details. It's all just too close to the bone. It's too messy. So it's easier to be insincere, to shield and to mask and to hide than to be vulnerable. Because if you're honest and vulnerable, you just might get rejected. And that's terrifying. So why is it hard to be honest with God? Why is insincerity more appealing? Is it rooted in a fear that God will reject us if our prayers are insufficiently pious? Are we scared we might offend him? Are we ashamed? Do we have too limited a view of his grace? Maybe. But here's something I know to be true from my own life. You're only honest with the people that you really trust, right? The more you trust someone, the more willing you are to be vulnerable with them. So the presence of insincerity in prayer actually indicates some deeper problem. It indicates a lack of trust. Because if we were truly secure in our relationship with God, we wouldn't feel the need to hide. If we were truly comfortable in our own skin, wearing our new identities in Christ, we wouldn't feel insecure because we would trust and stand tall in the knowledge that God is loving and merciful. And that he accepts our prayers, not because they're perfect, but because they are covered by the blood of Jesus. Gretchen Ronovic, in her wonderful book, Ragged, Spiritual Disciplines for the Spiritually Exhausted. If you have not read this book, you really should. It's so good. She gives this advice about being honest when we pray. Quote, that's the thing about prayer. We approach God imperfectly. We approach him as sinners wearing the covering of Christ. There cannot be any pretense about it. Pretense is in opposition to intimacy. That's so true, isn't it? Pretense is in opposition 
to intimacy. You, you can't be intimate or close to someone when there is some sort of facade between you. We are who we are, and God is who he, has, who he is. Don't flower it up or try to be impressive. God will teach you as you go. I love that last line and the confidence that's there. God, God's going to teach you as you go. Okay, so prayer is honest. You got that, right? Yeah, it's good. It's good to be honest. But here's my question. Isn't it possible to be too honest? Like, isn't, isn't that a real danger? I mean, bearing your soul is one thing, but isn't there a line that you have to be careful about not stepping over, like that you shouldn't cross? Sure, you can express from frustration, but what about yelling and accusing and cursing? Isn't there a point where it becomes disrespectful? I think that's a fair question. It's a good question to ask, right? Uh, one red flag is when we go from asking to demanding. We go from asking to demanding, and you pay attention to the language that you use as you'll pray. You'll notice when this is happening. It's one thing to say, God, give me this. That's a simple prayer, right? It's another thing to say, God, give me this or else. God, give me this or else you're not loving, you're not merciful, you're not providing for my needs, you're not good, I'll stop worshiping you, fill in the blank. See, the truth is that as sinful human beings, we're not actually entitled to anything. And the fact that a holy God even hears, much less answers our prayers, is in and of itself a miracle. When we demand or threaten God like a spoiled child, it's just a power grab on our part. We're trying to assert our dominance over him. In other words, we're committing the exact same sin Adam and Eve committed in the garden. And we're, we're trying to be God. And in case you haven't noticed, we are not very good at being God. Another red flag is when our posture shifts from receiving to manipulating. When we go from a posture of receiving to one of manipulating. We pray this, this part of the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done. And every single one of our prayers should have that attached to it. Whether we say it out loud or, or not, we understand that this is something where we're putting ourselves in the position of receiver. We're opening up our hands and saying, God, you know what's best. You love me more than anything. And whatever you have for me, I will receive it. But sometimes we use our prayers to kind of coerce God, to manipulate Him into giving us what we want. When we do this, though, we're actually breaking the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me because we're essentially telling God, look, hey, I know what's best here. I know better than you. I know you want to give me this, but I want that. That was actually part of Job's problem. We heard a couple of Job's prayers earlier. You remember Job in the Bible, right? He suffered all these terrible calamities, lost his family, his home, his possessions, his money, his health. And after 34 chapters straight, this book is very long, 34 chapters of Job and his friends complaining and arguing and even going so far as to put God on trial, God finally actually answers Job's prayer, and here's what happened. This is Job 38, 
1 through 7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me now. Otherwise, I will just read it. Job 38, beginning at verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. You can hear the sarcasm, right? God can be sarcastic. You know that? I like to think I have the spiritual gift of sarcasm, but that's not quite right. That was just a few verses, but it continues for four chapters straight of, of God questioning Job and kind of flipping the tables on him. Rather than God being on trial, now Job is on trial. And in the end, Job actually repents. He says, Behold, I am of small account. What, answer, what shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And yet, here's the even more astounding thing. In the end, Job's imperfect prayer did not prevent God from answering and God blessed Job with even more than he had in the first place. Here's a truth you can take to the bank. Whatever's on your heart, God already knows it. You're not going to shock or surprise him. You know that little surprised face emoji on your phone sometimes that you'll send like, just shocked, you're just shocked and surprised, right? God never makes that face. You can't shock or surprise someone who is omniscient, all-knowing, which means that you have the freedom to be honest in your prayers. Whatever your burden is, God is big enough to take it because Jesus intercedes for you. He will never reject you or your prayers. One piece of application here, just before we open it up to questions and comments. If you're ever in a position where you don't know what to pray, just groan. Serious. Just groan. You, you guys know how to groan, right? Count of three. Everybody groan. One, two, three. Here's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with groanings too deep for words. You ever had something to pray about that is just too deep for words? The thing about groaning also is that it's never voluntary. It's never, it's never voluntary. Groaning is never premeditated. You never think, all right, on the count, we just did it now, I guess. But in real life, right, it's never, okay, I think I'm going to groan around 2 o'clock. I'll schedule that in. Uh, 
what happens is someone punches you in the gut and you don't think about whether or not you should groan. You just say, oof. You lock your keys in the car and you groan. You tell another dad joke and your, your kids and your wife groan. By the way, very hurtful, emotional damage type stuff. I'm just saying. Um, there's nothing more honest than a groan. And sometimes it expresses more than words ever could. So if you don't have the right words, it's okay. If you want to talk to God but don't know where to start or how to pray, it's okay. If you're too exhausted or hurt or confused to even put together a complete sentence, it's okay. Because the Holy Spirit is interceding for you, groaning for you, praying on your behalf. And if the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective, man, how much more the prayers of a righteous God. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's pastorkjolhaug at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen. Amen.